Vox, episode 15. Hello, I just got off the phone with my mom. Hi, mom, in uh, Columbus, Ohio. And mom, I-, I couldn't tell if you were worried that my boxer comment was real, but I think you made three comments about how I shouldn't just be in boxers right now. And I want you to know I'm not. I'm not. I'm fully clothed. I wouldn't do that to Andy. Um, I've never been in just boxers when I've been recording these. So that was just, I was just kidding. So I don't know if you knew I was kidding or not. Um, because you also said be professional. And so I, I don't, uh, that word. How long are you going to go on just lying to your mom? <laughs> because I'm looking at you right now and I'm, this is, I, I appreciate your respect for her and you don't want her to think things, but I'm, I'm telling you guys the honest truth and I'm having a hard time sitting in this room right now. <laughs> Well, they they're making a boxer thong that I'm a, I'm just a big oh, no. I'm just a big fan of. I'm not gonna lie, it's very comfortable. Please, no, very comfortable. And um, uh, anyway, so we'll try to wash our minds from that image. Hello, boxers. We're so glad. We're so glad you're with us. Um, thank you as always for letting us into your life. We are in the middle of. Um, praying and strategizing about forming a, a community out of this podcast, at least for those that live in Orange County, California. And we and and as we've been looking at it, like half of our listeners or half of our downloads are from California, but half are from every other state oh, in yeah. the all over the place. Every state, every state, every single state, including Alaska. Yep. So, hello, Alaska. Um, we're glad you're listening. Yeah. And if you're from, if you're one of those people, please comment on the blog. So yes, we know please who you do. Are. We want to know you're out there, uh, and that you're real and that you're not Sarah Palin. Um, <laughs> or if you are, please. Well, yeah, I mean, the there blog. you go. Um, so, so if you're interested in finding out more, uh, about what we're up to, uh, we invite you to go to voxoc.com. There's a, there's a email, um, uh, field that you can put your email in. And we've got about 600 folks that are just kind of curious about what, what we're doing. And, and, uh, within that 600, there are, we, we had 170 adults and kids over last Sunday night to the Erie house, um, to talk more specifically about what this looks like. And, and, and what I thought I'd do, uh, is take this podcast to talk a little bit about failure and about fire. And so uh, I want to talk about my failure as a pastor, and then I want to talk about the fire that kind of burns inside. There's this great Old Testament prophet named Jeremiah, and um, he's a reluctant prophet because whenever he prophesies, like people hate him and people ignore him or people uh, persecute him. And all, so, we're all prophets pretty much like that, though. I mean, yeah, there was really they, no benefit for prophets. No, no, no. You weren't in it for anything but like... You have to. Yeah. And that was Jeremiah's favorite line is there's this, if I shut up and don't say what God's telling me to say, like there's, there's this fire inside me and I have to let it out. And so um, I want to talk a little bit about the fire uh, inside me and, and everyone has this. So if we were talking to Andy today, it'd be the fire of an artist um, or, or the fire of a, a business person or the fire of an athlete or uh, the fire of a musician um, for me, it's the fire of a pastor and, and I, I've been around church and working in church for 20 years. I started when I was five. So that tells you how old I am right now. Um, and, and 
over the last six years, I've left three large churches. I left a church called Rock Harbor uh, in, in 2010 uh, that I'd been at for seven and a half years. Um, went to a church called Mariners Mission Viejo. I was there for two years, left to become a senior pastor at EV Free Fullerton, uh, which uh, I was at for three years and then resigned in September um, for, for lots of reasons. But the thing that I've been spending lots of time on, Andy, is, um, okay, that's leaving three churches in six years. That's that's hard on people. That's hard, been hard on the fam, my fam, certainly. And and certainly not at all what I would have wanted or, you know, kind of have chosen, would have chosen from the outset. And you have to wonder, okay, well, what's the only common denominator uh, in the the three churches I've left? Well, me <laughs> and leaving. <laughs> and so so you, you I have to sit and I go, okay. Well, so, I've, I've been to every single one of those churches. So maybe that's it because I've actually. Oh, taught, is that it? Maybe that maybe this is this is actually uh, a bit of a realization of our future. See, <laughs> see, there you go. So I need to go. So um, and and I'm embarrassed by that. I mean, I'm just embarrassed by that. I mean, I'm in and, and I'm wrestling with. OK, so what is it about me that's the issue? Right. Um, and, and so so I've been thinking a lot about that because uh, in, in since September, um, my wife and I have really been wrestling with, OK, God, what do, what do you want us to do? I don't want to I don't want to leave another thing. I don't want to I don't want to say yes to another thing and then not finish it or whatever. And so we've been wrestling big time with um, do we work for an established church? Because there were some that were interested in us. Do, do we just do a guest teaching gig? Do I do be a full-time writer? Do I, um, do I, you know, make such incredible podcasts that people just pay us thousands of dollars for the sake of hearing this every week? I mean, who knows? But there's this fire in me, even after what I feel like is a season of failure, there's a fire in me for, for the church, this thing called the church that... I realize represents a huge hindrance for a lot of people in coming to see the goodness of Jesus that I, I know because some of you are, are Facebooking, Facebooking me, tweeting me, emailing that, that you're listening and you don't buy the whole church thing, or you may not even buy the whole God thing or Jesus thing, but certainly the church, the greatest argument against Christianity um, is the church and the hypocrisy of the church, the judgmental nature of the church, the pettiness of the church, the politicalization of the church, whatever it is. And so if, if you're one of those people, I'm just so sorry that the people of Jesus have not represented Jesus well. And I'm, and I'm of course, top of that list. And uh, people get upset when I apologize for the sake of the church. But I think if more of us did it, you know, maybe we'd be getting somewhere. So, so I, I still haven't met... An atheist, or um, or someone who is currently uh, living a promiscuous uh, gay life, um, in terms of acting out sexually, who hasn't had a bad experience with the church, and you could almost you could almost look at the bad parts of church as the greatest producer of uh, of people who are vehemently against it. You know what I mean? And, and, and so I get that. I get that. And yet, I can't give up on it. I just can't. One reason is just because 
as I study the scriptures, God's intention was always to work through a people. Um, but another reason is that there's this fire that just goes, nope, I, I want to be a part of this. I still think there's something about the gathering of Jesus followers that can, can be compelling. And so we made the decision to, to try to start a, a church that we can't leave and that we, um, that all the problems there are the problems that, that we'll invent and so, or, or that we'll create. So um, I just want to talk a little bit about three things that are like the fire in me about what, and these would be things I wish, I would wish for any church because um, I think they're true. I think they're right. And I think they're needed in our world today. And so um, the first one is this, and this is kind of the no brainer. Um, the church exists fundamentally to serve and to love the world. And we talked about the world, right? We talked about that the world means creation. Yep, we're, we're called to love and serve creation. It means the inhabited uh, population of the planet. Yes, by all means, yes. And, and it also means the system that's set up in opposition to God. And, and, and I would argue in each instance, love and service is what we're called to do. Um, uh, obviously, we talked about discernment in that third sense. I won't repeat it here, but um, I think I think anybody would say, yeah, yeah, of course the church exists to serve and love the world. But no church actually, at least that I'm aware of, I, I'm sure there are. Uh, but 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 to orient yourself to that value is so hard to do in a consumer church culture. Because we live in a world where we've trained people to evaluate a church service the way that you would evaluate a concert or movie, right? You sit, you watch, and then you evaluate. Did I like it? Was it good? And 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 the church becomes a place to, to... First of all, church isn't a place, and it's not a program. It's a people. But, but we understand, uh, in American uh, Christianity, we understand church to be a place where I receive... So my kids are ministered to, my felt needs are met, I get a, I get put back together, I get reminded, I'm the kind of the center of the show. And and the the dream of Jesus in founding the church was the church existed for the world. That the best thing about being a part of the movement of Jesus is that you abandoned yourself in order to be poured out for the sake of the world. That that was the thing. It wasn't it wasn't the hijacking of Jesus as blesser of your agenda. It was the abandoning of your own agenda to embrace his. And, and I, and I think, um, because I see this in my own heart, the, the, the very large temptation when a crowd is drawn is to focus on those that are in the crowd, the, the ones that are coming, the already convinced um, and, and you can see this just by percent of budgets that are spent on how much how much do we spend on taking care of our own members and member care? How much do we spend on uh, embodying uh, the good news of Jesus to the community? And you can just see, I mean, the vast majority is spent taking care of the people that are already here. And there's a point where that's true, of course. But but the the reason people are healed is not so that 
uh, they get their life back together and just go on the merry way. It's so that they will become healers. The reason people are comforted is because they're supposed to be comforters. The reason people are forgiven is because they're supposed to be forgivers. And so there's, there's, the, there's to be this transaction that takes place in the heart of somebody where once you're overwhelmed with what God has done in Jesus, you simply cannot imagine another way of living other than passing that on. And so, so when a group of people gather together and their primary concern is, what am I getting out of this? What am I receiving? Well, that bends the whole nature of the thing so that you can talk about mission uh, to your blue in the face, but the culture is bent towards keeping our people happy. And that, that is the death of the American church. The future of Christianity will not reside in meeting people's consumer needs. And so there, so one of the fires in me is, okay, so what would it, what would it, a church look like that begins with the, the, the unshakable, non-negotiable uh, sentiment that the church exists for the world and that the best way to get your needs met is by meeting the needs of others. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, That's that. what I'm talking That's about. What you're talking that about. almost sounds like Jesus, right? If you almost. want to lose your life... Or if you want to save your life, you got to lose it, baby. And so what happens if you get a group of people, and it won't be very big, who actually say, okay, 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 let's take the best of our resources for those who aren't here yet. Uh, the best of our resources for those people who will never enter in to a school or a bar or a church for a church religious service. They'll just never, they'll just never do that. Um, we have to think of ways because what I'm interested in is recapturing the beauty of Jesus because he's, he's magnificent. The reason I'm a Christian isn't Christians and it's not church. It's Jesus. It's not, it's not Christian history. It's not Christian dogma. It's Jesus. The guy is amazing. And if, if, if you grant that all of us are students of somebody, we're all learning to live from somebody. I can't imagine someone better that I want to learn how to do human life from than this guy. And so we got to recapture his beauty. That and one of the ways we recapture his beauty is by forsaking um, the religious establishment and embracing the leftovers, the misfits, the marginalized, those on the fringes. Um, because those are the people that are deeply interested in the things of God. The, the big time sinners I come across, like the big ones, the murderers, the adulterers, the addicts, those are the people, even if they're most opposed to Jesus in the beginning, those are the people that are most interested in spiritual things. It's the apathetic. It's the just feed me Christian. It's the, you know, I just want God to bless my agenda. Those are the, that's the thing that's death. I'd rather deal with big sinners any, any day of the week because I am one. Hallelujah. Now, that's number one, Andy. All right. All right. Mark it. It's up on the whiteboard. Number two, Andy is that the church should be, and this one this one is where the rubber kind of meets the road, the church should be the safest place to talk about and wrestle through anything. Anything. And the opposite is, is, is true. I don't care how friendly your church is. I don't care how nice your people are. I don't care how great your programming is. Church, something in the nature of the way we do American church causes us to pretend it doesn't lead itself to ruthless honesty before God and other people it just doesn't and so I'm firmly convinced that the church should be the place where Caitlyn Jenner 
can wrestle with, am I Bruce or am I Caitlin? Or, or where uh, a young kid who, who is feeling same-sex attraction um, can actually talk to people about that without fear of condemnation and judgment, who can actually be loved in the middle of their wrestling, or people who are so broken and so messy and, 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 and so non-polished that they don't have to, they don't have to feel like they get, have to get cleaned up first before they'll be loved and accepted. Like to me, and we've talked so much about this in the podcast, to me, uh, grace before truth, the table fellowship of Jesus. I mean, all of those things, the hospitality that re- that table fellowship represented where I will extend kinship acceptance to you before I even know you, before I even know what you're like or what your issues are like that. I just don't see a lot of that because on the one hand, you have folks who just say, listen, we're never going to judge anything, right? It's just free for all. As long as you're not hurting anybody, you're fine. Uh, we're not there because we do think the scriptures are inspired and we do think they reveal a God who is holy and who invites us to discern. But on the other hand, there, there, are, there are places under the banner of Jesus that are, are into behavior management, sin management, and judgmentalism, self-righteousness, and hypocrisy. And we stand as equally opposed to them because Jesus did. Uh, because none of that, all of those are symptom issues. If you, if you, homosexuality is not a root issue. It's a symptom issue. Um, uh, drug addiction is a symptom issue. Um, uh, now, now some symptom issues are more serious than other symptom issues, right? But like, if somebody comes and says they're acting out sexually, the, the last thing I'm thinking is, well, this is the root of all the problems. No, there's always something behind what you're observing. And, and that's what Jesus was teaching, that the heart's the issue. It's never just the outward behavior. And so we want to forsake behavior management and sin management, but we also want to forsake just this idea that, well, you can do whatever you want and you're just fine. No, no, no. There's If you're going to give yourself to Jesus and be a part of his movement, part of what he wants to do is to turn you into someone who's like him, full of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. I mean, that's the DNA of Jesus. So, so in that, in that gray space between we're not going to lead with judgment and condemnation, and we're also going to recognize that grace changes us and transforms us into Jesus, there has to be a space where people can be real. And the church has to be that space. Because if, if we really are worshiping a God that loves everybody, and a God that wants to forgive everyone and be reconciled to everyone and has made provision to do that as an act of sheer grace, you'd think we'd be okay with people being messy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and I, and I want to take what happens in a recovery group. Hey, my name is Mike. I'm alcoholic. Hey, my name is Mike. I'm a sex addict. Hey, my name is Mike. I am a binge eater. And I want to, I want to, how do you capture that? One of the fires in me is capturing the fact that you don't have to hide. There's something, there's something uh, about hiding that, that makes it even worse. And there's something about coming um, and being known uh, and being loved anyway, that makes it better. I mean, it's what's, 
it's interesting you say that those last lines because whether you kind of believe some of these things or not some of the like the near death experiences that i hear about the one thing they talk about that they have is like you feel more known than anything Mm. you've ever felt and they felt like it was freedom and they felt like it was like like they said they felt love and they felt known Hmm. and it's like for what it's worth you know if that is if that is actually what god is like and how we are exposed to him in complete um sword i'm looking for yeah transfiguration so to speak then then if we're bringing heaven to earth creating a space where those two places can exist yeah there, there's got to be something to that i mean in a marriage absolutely in a marriage i mean yes. that's, you know that's just it's just your two people come together and become completely known to each other in the context of love yes and commitment and grace yeah that's it see and this is where i just so disagree with the judges grace is the thing that transforms no one gets judged into the kingdom no one ju- gets judged into their way to transformation Right. I mean, and if we and if we really want to use the judgment muscle, as we've been saying, the judgment muscle gets used against the insiders, not the outsiders. I mean, if we really want to go after it, what if what if every Christian decided not to watch porn for a year, you know, or or every church adopt one kid out of foster care or or, hey, let's just let's just let's like quit smoking weed and getting drunk, you know, or let's stop let's stop engaging in premarital sex. I mean, you, if the church just got its act together, the, the amount of good that we could do in the world, let's, let's decide as a church not to spend 98% of our income on ourselves. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, you just go, uh. so, so for people who are coming in who don't know all the specifics and the polite mannerisms and you're not supposed to be messy and you're not supposed to, I mean, I just go, ah, oh, who... Who wants to build a church for religious people? They found theirs, mm-hmm. right? We want to build a church for folks that are still in process. Yep. You know, yep. what were you going to say? Okay. There yep. was something. I saw That's something it. on your face that said. So, something happened and then it, it, it left me. <laughs> in and I just out. want to be committed to being the kind of place where, let's say my, my 15-year-old son says, hey, I'm gay. You don't have to leave the church over that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, my husband just left me because he now believes he's a woman, mm-hmm. which is an email I'm I'm dealing and wrestling with with somebody. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't have to leave the church no over way. that. No now, now, there are times, of course, and these are extreme times when someone is sinning so flagrantly they're putting the community in jeopardy. Got that? But that's not the vast majority. No, the vast it's majority not. No. of stuff is listen. It, it when when people when people actually share what's really going on in their hearts, man, that's when Jesus does some of his best stuff. Right. So so to be a church that loves and serves the world means, among other things, we have to be a place where it's safe to talk and wrestle with anything, anything. Thirdly, um, the church must capture the hearts and the minds of the next generation. It doesn't, it, it's not enough uh, as, the, as the church ages. I've just found too many people who love their traditions more than they love their grandkids. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as long as you don't mess with their traditions, you can do anything you want. But the minute you mess with the, the traditions, you know, it's over. 
And I, I just, I find that to be sick and I find that to be twisted because it's so stinking clear that the job of older people was to pass on faith to younger people. And that if, if someone had to give up their way, it was the older people giving up and serving the younger people. That doesn't mean we idolize youth culture. No, that's sick and twisted too. Yeah. Right? This youth culture thing, like how do we reach millennials as the biggest topic of conversation? No, no, that's sick and twisted too. The, the generational thing we got going in the church is an awful thing. But there's a sense in which the church has to be bent, particularly when every... I mean, how many studies have shown the church hemorrhaging young people? And yet we're going to keep fighting over things that are utterly irrelevant to the world at large. And it's like it doesn't mean that your youth groups aren't good enough. Like it's it's not like okay it's let's bigger just keep than that. yeah let's keep oh okay it's like oh we're not doing enough then in youth groups or what we're doing like isn't this or isn't that it's it's I think there's you're right there's a huger gap for me this is kind of like the milk to meat philosophy you know like the more mature Christians and older Christians like what we should be digesting and chewing on shouldn't be like should be more of the active element we're talking about, about going out, but then bringing it to the younger right. to show them how to pass through that faith. Oh my goodness. But it's, it's kind of like even over the last hundred years, the adolescent age has been brought in from like 12 to like 30, right. you know? So it's like the, the maturity of a single person on its own is so lowered. That's right. That I, it, I think is drastically affecting Christian culture where we get into thirties and forties and we're still acting like we're, you know, 15 years old. That's right. So then the way we experience these other things like church we're not right. taking on the maturity of what a Christian should be involved in. We just right. sit there, watch the stage, come back next Sunday, and hope that my life changes. Right. That's right. And you're just kind of passively watching the whole thing take place. And guess who has a vested interest in keeping it that way? Pastors and teachers. Mm. Right? Because we don't get to be celebrities and rock stars. Some do. Unless, <laughs> unless... We got a whole bunch of people watching us and listening yeah. to our every words, right? Right. So we have a vested interest in keeping the system passive. Yeah. No question about it. Mm -hmm. But this next generation thing, I, I just, the, the older I get, the more I'm recognizing, had it not been for older people investing in me, I wouldn't be here. I mean, I, I think of, I think of um, guys like Hirsch, who was in Campus Crusades called Crew now, who called me out on some junk in my life at a really, really critical time. Or I think of a guy named Stan who taught me that it was possible to be intelligent and to love Jesus. Or, or I, I think of the first church that hired me out of investment banking and into youth ministry without any sense of what it means to be a minister in any way, shape, or form, or to work for some sort of organization called the church. I mean, these things were so formative in me, and they were all people who were pouring themselves out uh, and making room for younger folks. And so now that I'm at that place, one of the things that just burns with fire kind of in me is to say, okay, so who are, who are the next, who's the next generation of teachers? Who are the next generation of podcasters? And they're not waiting for us to get our act together. But a lot of them are just walking away because there's there's no room. The, the faith that's being expressed in things that are of secondary importance is so nonsensical to so many people under 30, they just walk away. They're not leaving over doctrine. They're not leaving because they don't love Jesus. They're leaving because we've insisted on secondary issues that are pro proving to be hindrances uh, to their 
joining a thriving community of believers. And I just find that, I find that absolutely staggering. And it's the recognition that I'm not entitled to it my way, right? I mean, even Paul would just simply say, listen, to all, all things I become all, like all people. No, to all people I become like all things, right? Yeah. To Jews I become like a Jew. Uh, to Gentiles I become like a Gentiles. To the weak I become like one who is weak in the hope that I might win some. And so the, the idea isn't to bow down to youth culture. No, no. The idea is to challenge it in ways that are relevant and meaningful to the folks who are being challenged. Right. And so so for me, um, the fire in me is to say, okay, the church exists to love and serve the world, to be the safest place where we can talk about anything, and to be the place where the next generation of people aren't just held back and trained for the future, but are equipped and developed and empowered now. So every place I've been, I've tried to I've tried to find other teachers who are young teachers, who um, uh, are raw, and who need practice, and make room for them to practice. But no church likes that, right? They don't want to be the place that you practice in. Um, and but it, had it not been for people allowing me to practice, I would not be doing what I'm doing, right? I mean, you just go no. What are you laughing at? I'm just saying like the church should be the safest place to practice how to be a Christian so you can go out in the rest of the week and, and be a Christian. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm not, please, please hear this. I'm not bashing on church. Although, although I see how it feels this way. To me, this is the fire. This is, this is the part I see missing. The ruthless commitment to love and serve the world, to be safe, to talk and wrestle with anything. And to and to thoroughly invest in the next generation, I see these as holes. I don't. I'm not saying everything else is bad uh, by any stretch, because because then I'd have to condemn my own self, right? Because I've contributed to all of this. The big thing for me is okay. After leaving three churches in six years, why would I? Why would I start one? Well, because no one will hire me. Number one, or number two, um, there's there's something about. I want to. I want to give this a shot. I want to give this a shot, and I'm naive, and I'm idealistic, and I'm dumb, and I'm the biggest sinner in the room, and yet these are the things that that absolutely drive uh, what I'm thinking and feeling. And so, if people want to know, like, well, why would you do this? Why would you start a um, a church out of a podcast? Well, for me, it's because I, I just don't want to be an internet voice. You know, I want to be an embodied community. And I want to see what it's like to build a community on grace before truth. I want to see what it's like to build a community on table fellowship. I want to see what it's like to build um, uh, a um, a community on uh, the Eucharist and the grace that's present in the table. I want to just see what that's like because I'm still dumb enough to think that a healthy, thriving group of believers dedicated uh, to Jesus and empowered by his spirit can make all the difference in the world. Absolutely. I still am so compelled by that image. And so um, um, hopefully there's something in all of this that hits you. If, if you're not, if you've been hurt by the church, I'm so sorry. Um, uh, me too. And I've, I've hurt people in, in the church. And so I, I've played both roles. And um and, and the answer to me isn't abandoning church. 
um, it's it's trying to find new ways. And and Jesus's metaphor was wine and wine skins. So you didn't have wine bottles back in the day. You had wine skins. These were animal skins, were turned inside out. And um, and what you would do is when you had really new wine that was still fermenting, you had to have new flexible wine skins, uh, because if you put new wine into old brittle wine skins, they, they would break, it would explode, or leak. And you'd lose the new wine. And so so there's a sense in which we want to keep the wine that has been true in the Christian tradition. That that this Jesus is real, uh, that the scriptures, um, I think, are inspired. Um, that, that there's good news for everybody that's to be received by faith uh, because it is a gracious gift. So so I still receive that, that wine. But a new wineskin is what's being called for. Um, and, and that's not to say that there aren't new wineskins all over the place. Of course there are. Uh, I'm just interested in seeing maybe what one would look like, uh, here and now. So we'll see anything you want to add, Andy, closing thoughts. Yeah. One closing thought. Um, you know, however many years ago, Paul, this would, excuse me. (laughs) (laughs) I'd say about eight years ago, I think when I first started going to Rock Harbor, when you were there, you know, and, and for those of you hearing, you know, these apologies when this happens and you're wondering like, Oh, what's up with that? You know, I haven't heard that or like, or do I connect with that? Or what does that mean to me? Um, you know, I'd say keep pushing and pressing into that only because when the first time I came to rock Harbor eight years ago, I remember hearing that apology, gosh, within like the first month of Mm. me being there. Mm. And it actually became for me, that was one of the most refreshing and reconciling things that I needed to hear. And this was like in my mid twenties coming out of just church experiences that had hurt me over time. And I didn't walk away from my faith, but I drastically was kind of against established and organized church. Sure. And fortunately I started going to Rock Harbor and, and this happened and that resonated so deeply in my soul. It's like, I needed someone to do that Hmm. because I had been holding the church hostage and responsible for so much hurt that people caused me, not what an organization caused me. And so it, it allowed me to look back at myself and I had to like over time had to kind of forgive people inside that had hurt me over time that were part of the church. Right. But it's exactly that. My choice could have been to just walk away from the church and just say, well, I'm just going to be all against the organization. But I realized Jesus was so much more than that. Yep. And if I wanted to be a part of the, the difference, I need to be a part of it. Yeah. You need to be in it to change it. And and that Paul taught me that. I yeah. mean, Paul was, I mean, come on, criticizing and doing so much to try to get the church to keep on track with what Jesus had left. Yeah. But he didn't just like, well, Paul said, well, I'm going to start my own thing and just reject all of this. He just, he kept with it. Right. And he kept encouraging, he kept being That's a part right. of it and That's kept right. driving and driving and driving. And so for what it's worth, if that apology means anything to you, then, you know, keep pushing into it. it. Keep being prayerful it. about it. Cause it, it was, it, I mean, it's why I work in the church now was because of hearing that reconciling it in my heart and moving forward. Cause I wanted to make a difference. Yeah, dude, that's huge. That's huge. I think for a lot of us, um, those moments are so stinking powerful. So anyway, hope this is helpful or at least minimally interesting. Um, but it felt like something, uh, I wanted to talk about, um, so, so, you know, keep, keep sticking with us, uh, go to the website. You can find out more voxoc.com or subversivekingdom.com, um, or follow us on Twitter, like us, Facebook, all of that stuff. But again, I say it every week, but it's true. We're very honored to do this and very honored that you would give us your attention for however many minutes this is. So as always, may the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you. 
May the Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance to you and give you peace. Amen and amen. Until next time, thanks. Thanks for listening to Vox, the Mike Geary podcast. Be sure to like Mike on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash official Mike Geary. Follow Mike on Twitter and Periscope at Mike Geary for live interaction and ongoing Q&A. Don't forget to visit subversivekingdom.com for further engagement and information about Mike.